I'd like to begin by uh, asking you a question this morning, and here's the question. How many of you occasionally or often feel stressed out? Just raise your hand. Occasionally or often? Okay. A lot of hands going up. Okay. Here's the second one. How many of you occasionally or often feel financial tension or stress? Financial tension or stress? Okay. And here's this one. How many of you um, wish you had a little bit more time to do things that you want to do? Like your own time? Okay, good. And last question. How many of you wish you had a little bit more time for the people that you love the most? So you could spend more time with people that you love the most. Okay. Well, hands went up all over the place on these questions. And the reason is, is because we live in a culture that is constantly pushing us to the limits. Buy more. Do more. Accomplish more. Conquer more. Just more, 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 more. And you know, most of us are living a life that is not only unbiblical, but it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable. You cannot sustain the pace that you're trying to do life in. And unfortunately, we don't even recognize that anymore because we say this unsustainable pace that we're on, it's normal. That's what the norm is today. So much so that even kids, we see it with them. I mean, I I know seven and eight-year-old kids who, beyond just going to school and doing homework, they're out four or five nights a week doing all kinds of stuff, multiple activities, not to mention on weekends, then those are filled up as well. And all of a sudden we start calling that normal. I'll never forget a dad who came up to me several years ago. His son was in baseball. He was in spring baseball with two teams, summer baseball with three teams, and fall ball with two teams. And he came up to me and he was so excited. He said, Chris, my son's really improving. He has played 164 games this year. Do you know how many professional players play? 162. He played two more baseball games at the age of eight than a professional does. And when he said that, I thought to myself, you're nuts. Like, you have lost it, dude. You're nuts. And you're proud of this. For many of us, what has happened is we have taken the schedules that we now live in and we impose them on our children. But the problem is when we impose them on the children, pretty soon they get imposed on us because we have to take them to all of these places. And when we start taking them everywhere, we start getting stressed out and they start getting stressed out. And if someone were to come up to you and say, are you happy with your life? You would say, no, but I don't have time to talk about it right now. Because i got to go to whatever the next thing is. Today, most of us have little to no margin for the most important things. But this is what I want to say this morning. You don't have to live your life like that. You don't have to live that way. Now, some of you might be asking, well, what is margin when you come right down to it? And here's our working definition for this morning. It's your first fill in the blank that you can fill in or on our app, our jar app. You can do it on your phone. And here's the first fill in right here. Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. 
Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. For example, if I have 30 minutes and it takes me 20 minutes to get to where I need to go, how much margin do I have? you got 10 minutes. Or if I have $100 and I add up my bills and they are $80 worth of bills, then I have $20 worth of margin. The difference between what you have and what you need is where the margin is. Now, how does margin work in everyday life? Well, margin works where if you want to be five or ten minutes early to a place, you're going to have some margin so you're not stressed out when you get there. Many of you know that this is an area that I personally have struggled with in my life. Funny story. So now that we have in-ear monitors for the, all of the uh, musicians, it takes them a little bit longer to get up here and get ready. And so they said, hey, we need a little bit margin. So they said, we need you to be here five minutes earlier, Chris, than what you were. Last week, I'm here five minutes earlier than what they said. I'm knocking on this door back here, and they would not let me in. But I had margin. So I walked all the way around the building, came through, and we still started on time. But it had a little bit of margin there. Margin financially would be having money left over at the end of the month. Some of you right now are going, what is he talking about? So let me say it another way. Financial margin is having money left over at the end of the month. And when that happens, folks, it can change your whole life. Margin is having distance between you and temptation. So that when the temptation comes, there's a distance between you and that temptation. You're not right on the edge. You already have some preset buttons that are there so that you don't go down this destructive lifestyle. Margin could be having three or four nights a week where you eat at the table as a family. Margin could be having extra time or extra money to be able to give to a ministry or to serve in some way. Margin could be simply having time to slow down, to think, to meditate, to dream. Margin could be having significant time with God. Not time that is just like this. Good bread, good meat, good God, let's eat. God, help! Thank you, God. That's it. No. Margin is where you could actually take this book and have significant time where you open it up and you read and you hear God's words spoken to you and you have time to pray. Simply put, margin is what most of us do not have. Margin is what most of us do not have. But here's the big idea that I want you to get this morning, and it's this. And I'm convinced of it. The best things in life happen in the margin. The best things in life happen in the margin. 
This past Monday, my uh, wife had worked in the emergency room overnight, and she got home Monday morning. And she said, I think it would be a great idea if we went on a bike ride after school with the girls. In fact, I think it would be such a great idea if we got the bikes and we took them to the school and we locked them up and we had them ready for the girls, that when they got out of school, you and I then could just like go and ride our bikes there. We would meet them there and then we'd all ride our our bikes home as a family. I think that would be a great idea. Jennifer Bunch translation. This is what we're doing. You take care of it. Because Monday is my day off. And so you take care of it. So in the afternoon, I get the bikes, I pump up the tires, I get everything ready, I get their two bikes, I take them to the school, we lock them back, I get back and I have about 45 minutes. And I think to myself, I could still mow the yard and I could still run. I think I've got enough time that I should do this. And all of a sudden, because I've been studying about margin this week, it hit me, you don't have enough time to do that. Now, you have enough time to do that, but then you won't be able to go ride bikes with the girls. And they're little kids, so, you know, you start rationalizing. They'll never remember this anyways. You know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. No, 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 no. Do one thing now. you got 45 minutes. Go ride your bike. Be with the girls. Come back. And if you have time to do the other one, great. If you don't, it's not the end of the world. Now, I was kind of evaluating my week this week, yesterday. You know what the best part of my week was this last week? Riding bikes with my girls. And we did a lot of fun stuff this week. We even went to Colts game yesterday, and I asked the girls, I said, hey, what was the best part of your week? You know what they said? Riding bikes. You see, the best things, folks, the best things, the absolutely best things of your life happen in the margins. Well, God must have known that you and I would struggle with this whole concept of having margin in our life. And so Jesus addresses this one day as he's talking with two sisters who were close followers of him. Two women by the name of Mary and Martha. One decided that she didn't have margin. The other one created margin, and then Jesus said, it will not be taken away from you. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Luke is in the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. The Bible has two Testaments, the Old and New. And in the second, where we hear many of Jesus' stories, here's one of them, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was, what's the next word? What was it? Distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, it's interesting to me that these two women have exactly the same opportunity. Mary and Martha have the exact same opportunity to connect with Jesus, who is the Son of God. Mary created a moment. I'm sure Mary still had things to do. Maybe she had to go take care of the laundry. Maybe she had to go make sure the dishes were done. Maybe she had to go to the grocery store. Maybe she had some tidying up to do. 
But Mary decided this, that for this moment, I'm only going to do this. I'm going to embrace the moment of being with Jesus. But Martha, on the other hand, was like so many of us. She was distracted and she started wigging out about having to get everything done. Now, another thing that's interesting to me in this story is that what she is distracted by is not evil, is it? It's not evil. It's not a bad thing. It's not a sinful thing. There wasn't anything horrible about it. In fact, many of us would say what she was doing was actually a really good thing. It was a good thing. But she got distracted. Because she's thinking to herself, okay, Jesus is coming to my house. Rumor has it that he is the son of God. So I better get out the best china. I better make sure that the candle is lit. I better make sure that the toilet paper is not the backside, but it's actually coming down off the front. And I better make sure that I have those towels that we never use for anyone else, but we use in these occasions because they match the shower curtain. Because God forbid that Jesus would come and that wouldn't match, you know. We've got to make sure that everything is right. And Martha was distracted by a lot of good things. It just wasn't the best thing. My wife Jennifer says this to me a lot. She says, Chris, don't let the good things get in the way of the excellent thing. Because I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to let a lot of good things get in the way of the excellent thing. Someone said this, and I believe it with all of my heart. If Satan, our spiritual enemy, cannot get us to do some really bad, bad, bad things, he will just get us more and more busy. If he can't get us to do a whole bunch of really, really bad stuff, he'll just get us really, really, really busy. And some of us have become so busy at lesser things that we miss out on what are the most important of things. We simply get distracted from what is the best. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the, uh, we have a little office at our house, and I was at the office at our house, and I'm working on uh, some emails, and doors are closed, and I'm getting all this done. I'm like, oh, man, this is really good. And all of a sudden, my oldest daughter, Jordan, walks in the door. And when she walked in the door, immediately I thought to myself, can't you see I'm doing something important here? Like, you are distracting me. And by the way, the door was closed. It was closed for a purpose. That means you don't come in. And she walked right on in. And she said, hey, Dad, I got something I want to share with you. And I'm like, sweetheart, look what I'm doing. I'm doing some important stuff here right now. In just a minute, in just a minute, I'll be able to do that. And she walked out the door. When I was done with that, I uh, went to the family room. I didn't see her downstairs, so I just went to the family room. I turned on the TV. It was a Saturday. I turned on the TV. The USA Olympic basketball team was playing. And I hadn't been able to watch it because I'd been watching all their stuff, all the kids' stuff, all their little swimming, gymnastics, yada, yada. 
And so I finally get a moment by myself where I'm able to watch the basketball, and she stands, this disobedient child, stands right in front of the TV, and now she has something in her hand. And she says, Dad, are you ready for me? And I go, well, wait till I finish with this part of the game, and then I will. And she turned around, and she started walking away. And all of a sudden, I get this prompting, you're an idiot. Now, I'm not saying God called me an idiot. I'm just saying that's what I sense. Here is the most important thing right in front of you right now, and you're choosing not to do that. And so finally, I kind of got it together. I went, I was like, hey, Jordan, uh, you said you wanted to... Sh-. She's like, yeah, Dad, I wanted to show you this. And it was her midterm report. She had all A's. And all of a sudden, it just hit me that there's so many times in my life that I am so concerned about my work or my hobbies or my production that I totally miss the mark on what it means to do the best of things. Folks, so many of us get consumed and we get possessed with our work and our hobbies and all of these things that we miss the most important things. Back to our story, verse 40. This is kind of hilarious to me. Martha starts running to Jesus. She runs up to him and she's like, don't you care that my sister has left? All right, that's the best female distressed voice I have. So just work with me, okay? Lord, don't you care that the, my sister has left me to do all this work myself? Tell her to help me. See, that wasn't too bad, was it? Yeah. Could be worse. Again, just keep filling out that serving card. Just, you know, hey... And what's funny to me is that Martha was absolutely convinced that she was correct, that she was doing the right thing. She's like, look, I have this opportunity, and I'm trying to make everything good for Jesus, but look at my sister there. She is lazy. She is a lazy bum. She's just lazy. She's not doing anything to help me out. And here lies the problem. Most of us are convinced that the life we're living right now that is pedaled to the metal all the time is necessary and right. We think that's the norm. That if we just do this, this will make us successful. More of this and more of that and more and more and more and more. So here is Martha again going, Jesus, like, tell her to help me. Tell her to quit sitting on her rear end. Let's actually do something. I'm right, right? And then verse 41, Jesus says this, Martha, Martha. Now, folks, if Jesus has to say your name twice, (laughs) not a good thing. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only, what's it say? One what? One thing. One thing. Just one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Folks, the truth is, every single person in this room today, you have a choice of how much margin you want in your life. You get to choose that. You get to choose that. The choice is yours. And you're going to be tempted 
over these next four weeks to fight me on this whole concept of margin. Because what you're going to say, and we'll talk about financial margin, scheduling margin, moral margin over the next three weeks. What you're going to be tempted to do is you're going to say, well, Chris, you just don't understand because you only work one day a week anyway. In fact, it's not one day. It's just two hours a week. Chris, you don't understand what the real world is like. Really? Really? You, you don't understand what it's like to have financial pressure. I mean, I just, I just can't live with margin. Yes, you can. No, 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 I can't. No, 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 you can't. You control that part of your life. But you don't know how demanding my boss is. She is like really, really demanding. No, 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 no. Choice is up to you. And if you choose what is right, Jesus says, it will not be taken away from you. Now let's talk about this practically in two kind of ways. And I want to pose this question. What happens when you live a marginless life? What happens when you have no margin in your life whatsoever? What happens when you live a marginless life? Well, first of all, your stress increases. Your stress increases. When your margin decreases, folks, your stress increases. Friends, when you're running late and your margin decreases, what happens to your stress? It goes up, right? It increases. Some of you were coming to church today and you were running late. It wasn't your fault, but it was somebody in that car's fault. They weren't ready. So your margin decreased and your stress increased. And when you got in that car and you were walking across the parking lot, you had some ungodly things coming out of your mouth. I am sick and tired of what you're doing and you're doing that. and You're running so late and I can't believe that. And why can't you be more like me? And I don't care what you're saying. And just shut up. Just shut up. Then you walked in. People are snorting up here. It's so bad. I mean, it's bad. <laughs> Elbows flying, you know. <laughs> and uh, you walk into these doors in and people greet you and you're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you have a good week? Oh, man, great week. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. You get here to church and. You know, you're there and you're worshiping God, and then all of a sudden, here comes the elbow. Bam! We missed the first song because of you. Just shut up. Just shut up. No elbows, folks. This is a no-elbow church, okay? No elbows. Same is true financially. If your margin decreases financially, what happens to your stress? goes up. 
If you're married, you start fighting. You spent what? You you paid that much money for the, Are you kidding? What's going on? No margin. Something breaks. You got two problems. One, something's broken. The second thing is, how are you going to pay for it? Because you don't have any margin. Folks, every time financial margin decreases, your stress is going to increase. Now, the second thing that happens when you live a marginless life is this. Your relational connectedness decreases. Your relational connectedness decreases. As margin decreases, so does your relational intimacy. I see it all the time. People get real, real busy and they've got everything going on in their mind. And you can have someone that you love very much and they're sitting across the table from you, but you are nowhere to be found. You're present at the table, but you're not present in your mind. Your mind's just running, going to where, whether it's at work or somewhere else. You can even go on vacation and you spend all this time on vacation, but you're not really present. You're still back at, at work or you're doing something else. Recently, our family went to uh, a place to eat, and as we walked in, I noticed that there was this family of four. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. They're all sitting there. They're eating together. That's what we're getting ready to do. And so we sit down. We get ready to start. uh, We give our order, and then I looked over, and all of a sudden, I looked at this table. All four of them. One's texting. The other one's organizing their pictures. The other one's playing a game. The other one's Facebooking. And then I'm sure they all got together and said, hey, let's tweet. Hey, we're really connecting as a family tonight. Let's put it on Instagram. Look, we're eating together all as a family tonight. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's why in our home... When we get to the table, if we're sitting at the table eating dinner, we have a no-phone policy because this is what I know. One day my 9-year-old and 7-year-old are going to have their phones, and if they see mom and dad already have set the tone, that's what they're going to do. No phone. Folks, you can get off the grid for 30 minutes, and the world will not just stop. You can let it go. You'll survive. Folks, when we have margin in life, our connectedness decreases. And it's not just with the people around us, but it's actually in our relationship with God. Folks, I can't tell you how many times I've been out in public before, and I'll run into people and I'll be like, hey, how you doing? And Sorry, I miss seeing you in a little bit. And all of a sudden, it'll be like this. Yeah, we haven't been to church, Pastor. But uh, I want you to know, we've been thinking about you. We've been praying for you. And, and we've been doing all that. And everything was going really well, except we just got to... Oh, you know that word. Or I'll walk up to somebody that I've invested a lot of time. I'm like, hey... How are you doing? How's your relationship with God? 
uh, well, man, it used to be great. And like I was in the word and I was like reading the Bible all the time and I was praying and things were going really good. But then all of a sudden, you know, things changed with my job. And when they changed with my job, I just got too too busy for people, too busy for God. And we think that's normal. Why? Why is it that many of us live a marginless life? Why is it that so many of us will say, well, I'm going to plan to start slowing down, but we really never get to that point? Why is it that very few people ever take the house that they're living in that they can't afford and sell it and move to a house and downsize that they actually can afford so that they would have financial margin. Why is it that most of us would say, money doesn't make you more happy, but we fight and we scrape to get more and more and more? Why is it that we are not radically looking at our schedules, cutting things out, realizing that one day our kids are going to be out of the house and it'll be just like that? Why is it? And I think the bottom line is this, because we don't fully trust God. We don't fully trust God that he can take care of the details. We're afraid that if we don't keep going and going and going and going, kind of like the Energizer Bunny, remember that commercial? Just keeps going and going and going. That if we don't just keep going and going and going, we're going to miss out on something. So we tell ourselves, I gotta work harder, I gotta make more money, I gotta have this, I gotta have that, I gotta get to that meeting, I gotta, 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 gotta. Because if I don't, I'm going to miss out on something that is really needed. And folks, that's just insane. It's crazy talk. Folks, the reality is, most of the people in this room today, most of you, are making more money today than you ever have in your life, and yet you battle with financial stress more than you ever have in your life. More of you have more opportunities to do great things, and yet you feel empty and exhausted and tired than ever. Why is it? Because we're filling our lives with things that don't matter the most. We're focused on the good things, all the good things. We're just not, follow, we're not focused on the most excellent of things. We've become distracted by all the technology and all the production and all the worldliness. We've got to have a bigger house because if I have a bigger house, then it will make my marriage better. I've got to have a nicer car because if I have that then it will make me feel better about myself. i got to be at that meeting because if I'm not at that meeting, then people won't think I'm as significant as I think I am. got to have our kids involved in every activity possible, not just one seasonal thing, but anything and everything so that we're doing multiple things all the time because God forbid that I ever choose to actually say tonight is the night that we're going to actually do something spiritual and we're going to hang out and we're going to talk about God. I got to have the perfect body because my soul is not as valuable as my body is. I've got to produce more and more and more because 
I feel so empty. And folks, that's just insane thinking. And this is what I see all the time. It's killing marriages. It's killing families. And they're just flying through life so fast that they never hit the pause button. And it's not what God intended. God never intended us to live at that pace. But sadly, this is the truth. Many of you are not going to change. You're going to leave from this place today, and you'll be like, man, that was good. We should do that. But you're not going to change a single thing. I've been around way too long to think that one of my messages, you're going to take that, and your whole life is going to change. It won't. But I think there are some here that will. I think there are some people who are here today that will say, I'm done with the hamster wheel. I'm done just going around and around, and this is my breaking point, and I'm putting a line in the sand. No more, no more, no more insanity. I'm no longer going to live my life according to the patterns of this world. I'm going to live my life according to the rhythms of God's grace that he has for me. And I'm going to choose what is better. I'm telling you, if you do that, you'll live the rest of your life. And you may have regrets for different things, but you won't have regret for the fact that you made a commitment on this day to say, I'm going to have margin in my life. And you'll give your life to things that are the best of things, the excellent things, not just the good things. A few of you are going to get it. And for all of us, I pray that today that you might have a come-to-Jesus meeting. And a come-to-Jesus meeting is where you get very honest with Jesus and you come to Him and you say, this is what is true about the pace of my life right now. I'm coming to you. And if you do that, this is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Let me add just a few other things. Come to me, all of you who are stressed out or overwhelmed. You can't get it all done. Come to me, single parents who feel like they're falling apart. Come to me, business guy who feels like he's on the verge of losing it all. Come to me, moms who have no margin for themselves. Come to me, those of you who are overwhelmed and feel insignificant because you're not busy all the time. Come to me, all of you. And Jesus says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what does he say he'll give you? What's he say? He says, I'll give you rest. Today, my, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And that's what we're going to try to do these next few weeks, to learn from God, to learn from Jesus. Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? What's it say? Rest for what? Rest for your soul. And let those four words sink in. Rest for your soul. Peace. Tranquility. Assurance. Rest for your soul. You know, the reality is that a lot of us, we don't even know what rest is. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, about how we can have margin in our schedule, scheduling margin, having rest on September 11th. September 11th means something to our country in a great way. 
in 2016, I pray that you'll be here and you'll invite friends and family on how they could have rest in their schedule. Now, some of us, when we think of rest, this is what we think. Oh, man, I need some rest. I'll just go on vacation. That's what I'll do. I'll go on vacation and everything will be great. I was talking to a buddy of mine who went on vacation and I said, well, how did you spend your time? Man, we went on roller coasters for three days straight. We ate all kinds of food and we spent all kinds of money. That's not rest. And this is what people often will say. They'll come back from a vacation and they'll go, I'm so exhausted. I need a vacation from my vacation. Some of you will take six days on a vacation. And the first three days, you're so wound up. You're just like triggered by everything. And you finally get relaxed. And then all of a sudden, day four comes here like, I only have three days left. So you get wound back up again on what you have to go to. And there's no rest. For your soul. Those of you who are not married, it's interesting to me that for many of you, you fall victims of this the most. You feel like, well, if I don't have something in my schedule, then I don't feel significant. If I'm not constantly doing something, then I feel like a loser. I've got something all the time that needs to be going. And if something's not going on in my life all the time, there must be something wrong with me. Folks, that's, that's insane. You need margin. Moms. Let me talk to you for a minute. I talk to a lot of moms. And moms will come up all the time and say, man, I just wish I had like a little bit of space and time just to get away, a little time for me. But if I did that, if I took some time for me and I pulled away from everything, boy, I'd feel so guilty. I'd feel so bad about the fact that I got away from my kids or I'd feel so bad that, you know, I actually you know, gave that for my husband or boyfriend to handle all of that stuff. It's crazy. Men. Well, I've just got to make more. If I can conquer more, if I can succeed more, if I get some more done, then everything will... No, no, no. You don't have to do more. And so Psalm 46.10, it says this. Be still and know that I am God. Let's all read that out loud together. Be still and know that I am God. Folks, many of us, we just don't know how to be still. Now, if I come hard at this this morning, the reason is, is for the past 20 years, this has been one of the hardest things for me to win. I've had some victory, but it's been a battle. 20 years ago, I was at a men's spiritual retreat weekend, and a guy came up to me and he said, hey, I can tell you want to grow closer to God, and if you want to do that, you've got to learn how to be still. And so what I want to challenge you to do is starting tomorrow, I want you to take five minutes and just be quiet and still and rest in God's presence. And I'm thinking to myself, 26 years old, That's a breeze. Five minutes? No big deal. Next morning, I sit down. I'm like, okay, God, I'm ready for this five minutes of quiet, not do anything. Just be open and receptive. This is going to be great. This is going to be no problem. 
30 seconds, I open my eyes, I look at the clock, I'm like, what is going on? This is insane. I can't do this. And I went back and I told him, I was like, dude, I made it like 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden, everything started going on in my head. He's like, you're sick, dude. He's right, I was. And so I had to work on it from 30 seconds to a minute to two minutes to five minutes to ten minutes to something even longer. Learning how to be still. And so this week, this is your homework assignment. And you can fill it in. But this is it. This is your homework assignment. Take five minutes each day this week and simply be in God's presence. Take five minutes each day this week and simply be in God's presence. Just listen. Listen. You don't produce anything. You're simply present with God. You just listen. Now, some of you are sitting there right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, what's this going to do? What is this going to do? You know what this will do? It will get you off your throne. Because many of you, you think you're on the throne of your life. You're in control of it all. You're on the throne. And when you pull five minutes away and you say, I'm just going to be quiet and still before you, God. I'm going to be in your presence. Guess who gets on the throne? The person who rightly deserves to be there. God himself. And if you do this, this is what may have to happen. Some laundry is not going to get done. Some kids, you might have to kick them out of the house for five minutes. They won't die. And those texts that you need to hear all the time, you've got to shut them off. Facebook, You'll survive, folks, five minutes if you just put it all on shut-off mode. You're just going to be still for five minutes. And the reason why we're starting it this way is because this is the most significant thing you can do to create margin in your life. Reverence to the Lord adds time to your day. Margin comes when we quiet ourselves before it. So this morning, I'm going to give you what that guy gave me. Just one minute to practice being quiet and still before God. So if you would... uh, I'd encourage you uh, to just hold your palms out. If you don't want to do it, it's fine. But hold your palms out and just be quiet before God. And any time a distraction comes in, something comes in, you turn them back over again until you can quiet yourself to receive God's presence again. So for a minute, I just invite you to quiet yourself. And if something gets distracting, then put your palms back over until it goes away and and come back into God's presence. Let's take just a minute.
close our eyes to quiet ourselves before a holy God. God, I ask you right now that through your Holy Spirit you might pierce our hearts to help us take a moment to really start create margin in our life for the most important things. And help us to begin this week, God, by just taking five minutes each day where we're quiet and still simply being presence and maybe today some of you walked into this place today and you were searching for something you were really searching for something because your life is so chaotic right now and it feels so overwhelming and Jesus is here right now ready to say quit your searching I'm here I'm with you I won't walk away And maybe today you're ready to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your rest. I need your presence. I need your forgiveness. I need a new start. And so if that is you, then I'm going to invite us to repeat a prayer this morning. In fact, I'm going to invite everyone to say this prayer out loud together. But it's your prayer. But you can just repeat the words after me. So all of us in one voice, but for some of you, you're searching this for the first time. You just pray this, but let's pray it out loud together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today to give my whole life. I need your forgiveness. I need your presence. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. I want to serve you, know you, follow you, and love you with all of my life. My life is not my own. God, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everyone who said that for the first time. Welcome them to the presence of God. Emily.